You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris Sims. Oh, yes. Sims and Lepko Podcast, episode 42. This is Chris Sims. I am Adam Lepko. What a week of football. I'm very confused. A 42. I'll give you a first crack at it. Right. Who is your 42? Well, I mean, Mariano Rivera. I mean, Jackie Robinson's the ultimate 42. Gotcha. But we're not even going to go there. Mariano Rivera, I'm a huge Yankees don't fan. Take mine. Don't take and then my mine. basketball one, which I thought was a good one, James Worthy, baby. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a football one? I, I actually don't. Oh, Ronnie Lott. That's mine. Yeah. Mine's Ronnie Lott. That's my basketball one. would be Theo Ratliff. <laughs> Because, yeah, that's what it is. I forgot and, about Ronnie. And Gabe is going uh, Jerry Stackhouse. Gabe, let me see some Gabe fingers before we go to Josh for uh. Jerry Stackhouse. Josh, do you have a 42 for us? Uh, so I want to give some credit to Matt Camp, friend of the podcast, on a couple weeks ago. He sent me three nominations for 42s. Let's hear them. Butch Husky from the Mets, <laughs> James Worthy, and uh. Sid Luckman. Sid oh, Luckman. Sid's Matt Camp's one. three nominations for a number Sid. 42. I feel bad for Sid. Sid Luckman has literally had almost every record broken by Jay Cutler this Sims year. Sims looks very the confused fact that Sid Butch Luckman Husky. has had exactly. The fact that Sid Luckman has had records standing in the Chicago Bears for like 70, 80 it's years crazy. is crazy. What cool. were you going to say? Well, I, the first name, I don't even know if I knew the first name. What was the first name of the 42? Butch Husky. Butch Husky. Camp is a diehard Mets guy. Okay. So. Uh, but yeah, that it is crazy. It speaks to how good he was and then maybe the lack that they the had a real good quarterback here in a yes. long time. Uh, control room, you beautiful SOBs. Let's get some waves. Oh, it's a little baby. dark. Hey, Kristen. Is back there. And we got Kristen now up oh, there in the front. Look at that. We got two ladies up front. Front row. In front row. Bob Euchre. Holleration. Just to get outside. Uh, so I officially have no idea what's going on in right. the NFL, but right. I do know this. We have a very good show. We're going to have the MVP debate, talk about who's leading, what, and I know you have some unexpected ones in there. Yeah. A good friend of Bleacher Report and our videos, Howie Long, we've been begging for him to come on the podcast. That's official. And we're going to dive into Tom Coughlin's future and sure. what's going to happen because it will literally be, if it comes open, one of the most coveted jobs in football Definitely. and the New York Giants, it will be the end of an era if it happens. Right. You never know because he's made runs before. Right. But Howie Long is funny. He might watch more videos of us and people don't realize it. I mean, that dude studies so much film. Yes, he's all And in. he barely gets any time to talk about it. Right. So I'm excited for him to share his takes. But the Eagles beat the Patriots. Right. And I'm in the control room watching the game. Just I'm I'm laughing. I mean, <laughs> you can ask Fendrick the entire time that game's going on. I'm going, they're gonna blow this. Yeah. Uh, Carolina somehow is in a is in a battle with the Saints. Right. Green Bay needs a hail mary to survive Detroit. Right. Adrian Peterson gets eight carries against Seattle. Blaine Gabbert is winning on the road football games. Seattle. Um, Pittsburgh's the most dangerous team in the NFL, and they might not make the playoffs. Right. I The NFL to me is so crazy that apparently the best team and the worst team are not that far apart yes, from each other. Yes, they are, they are not. And you've heard me say that, so you're starting to believe me on that a little bit. In fact, I don't think anything shocking on that list other than Philadelphia and New England, and I think when you really look at the game, it's not that shocking. I mean, you guys needed four miracles yeah. and New England to try to screw the game up themselves to win the football game. And I don't want to take anything away from Philadelphia. Special teams making plays is certainly a big part of it. 
but rarely do you see the New England Patriots two weeks in a row kind of beat themselves. Yeah. Special teams blunders. Tom Brady uh, played well against Denver, but you go back to the Giants game, and then, of course, last week, some careless turnovers against the Eagles. Uh, but, yes, the, the difference between the best team in football and the worst team in football with the free agency and the salary cap, it's just not as great as people think. I'm not as shocked by the New Orleans-Carolina game. Really? Uh, no, I'm not. because I mean, Carolina could have won that game yes, by a lot it's a little, points. It's a little mistaken. Ted Ginn dropped two wide-open touchdowns. Stephon Anthony gets the fumble, picks it up for a touchdown. He also gets the black Blocks the extra, uh, extra point. point. Right. But, uh, yeah, I do think it's also human emotions. People got to look at human emotions. Really? Yeah, definitely. As far as into a game, just if you're the Carolina Panthers and, hey, we're 12-0, and we're playing the Saints. I mean, the worst defense in football. We got this, no problem. We're a great defense. It was kind of a trap game. Then you go down there, play them in their element. We know they're tough down there. Let me ask you this question yeah. then. So if that's the trap game, right. I, heard, I heard people talking about, oh, that was the Saints Super Bowl. I completely get it. Yeah. When you survive the trap game, right. what's your mentality then? Uh, I think that can make you go back and refocus. Like, I really? think. Uh, I look at Is my, it as effective as a loss? Uh, yes, it can be every bit as effective, yes. Because you'll, go, you'll get in the locker room after the game and go, man, we didn't play very good. We dodged a few bullets. It'll kind of get everybody back on what they need to get, you know, the details they need to focus on. Uh, but I feel bad for my, my buddy Kyle Shanahan because he's the Atlanta Falcons offense coordinator, and they're, he's going to get a pissed-off Carolina Panthers team now because yeah. that defense will not be happy with their performance. Breeze, Sean Payton, as you know, you know, they're awesome game planners. Breeze is yes. playing good football. And, uh, yeah, they, they had some creative things against that Panthers defense. That Carolina game ends. And, finally, the national narrative is Cam Newton is the leading vote-getter now for MVP. Yeah. We've all, I've only been you, saying this now. You've been saying it longer than anybody. For about six, seven weeks. Yeah, I'd say seven. Because yeah. I, f- people are starting to realize that that offense – Goes as Cam goes. Yes. Is he your number one right now for yes, MVP? Yes, he, no, he is the MVP. And especially most valuable player, I mean, to their team. I, I have a hard time thinking. I also think in terms of the right. national narrative, yeah. we've been talking about Cam now with dancing and stuff. I also think an important thing for MVP is right. how much have you been a part of the national discussion? Sure. And Cam Newton has. Definitely. Uh, so then who's number two for you? Is number it Carson? Two, yes, number two would be Carson Palmer. Uh, how can you not be amazed at what he's done coming off a knee injury? Uh, all he's done since he's been in Arizona is win football games. And then what they ask him to do. You know, I'm big into that. What is he being asked to do on a week-to-week basis? It's throw the ball down the field into tight windows. Not a lot of easy completions for him. Yeah, he's playing phenomenal. Who's 3-4-5? Yeah, I'm going to go Brady 3. Uh, I'm going to go Rodgers 4 probably for wow. right now. Uh, and then I'd probably go AP. Eh, AP is dealing, doing Who it out as is well. Up there? Man, I, I, to me, I don't think he's up there. But I mean, Julio Jones is on pace to get really close to that 143 catches. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, but who else are the guys? I, I, I think the list kind of ends from there. I mean, if you want to throw defensive guys, yeah. I mean, JJ Watt can get like, in that why conversation. Why is Tyron Matthew up there as well? I, listen, I'm every bit as sick of this. I'm so sick of the Heisman. It's it's the best player on the best team every year. I mean, I'm just so sick of it. And it's the same thing with the MVP. That's all it's become is. Whoever's the best player or the most notable statistician uh, on the best team, you're in the MVP conversation. I agree with you. It's stupid. Yeah, it's well, because then you have to start thinking of who else it could be. And the interesting thing is when you look at the other MVP candidates, right. it hurts Carson Palmer that he's got such a good coach in Bruce Arians. Sure. It hurts Tom Brady that he's got such a good offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. I don't know. It never seems to hurt him. Everybody just thinks it's Brady in New England. I, I never ever – for some reason that doesn't get – I never hear everybody go – Man, that Josh McDaniels offense. i got to say, we're the only ones that ever seems to point at it. They just go, Tom Brady is a magician out there. He, Josh McDaniels never gets the national narrative when you watch the game on well, TV. Well, then if it's not Josh McDaniels, yeah, then it's Bill Belichick. Belichick. Exactly right. So, and then I look at, okay, well, then that means for me, Aaron Rodgers sometimes gets discredited because he's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. We're not amazed by Aaron Rodgers. But the narrative for Cam Newton is the offensive line stinks. Right. You got Jericho Cotri as a featured wide receiver. Right. And I don't think people either respect Mike Shula or want to give any credit there to where Cam has the perfect, in my mind, MVP combination. Yes. Not a lot of help. Great record, right? Unbelievable statistics. Even though they're down for his career averages, yeah. what what are Cam's stats? Do you have those, Fendrick? Yeah, I do have Cam's stats pulled up. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, 
Go ahead. 68.3 completion percentage. Uh, check that. 58.4 completion percentage, 2,797 yards, 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Right. And he's now, also got seven, but he also has seven like, rushing touchdowns as well, so it's 32 total. Exactly right. I mean, Carson Palmer's stats are incredible. Right. Uh, Tom Brady's stats are incredible. Yeah, I think, I mean, at the quarterback position, Cam and Aaron Rodgers are doing more with less than anybody else. Yes. In fact, out of those five people we just named, I so would say. So if you don't like the way we do it, how should we look at MVP? I, I, I don't know. I wish we would just look at really good football players. I don't know how you're going to change it. It's hard to change it in but the how NFL. Would you, like, what, what, what do you think should be the most important? Uh, you know, I think the word valuable to your team is what, what's most important. Like, just the absolute value to your team. Mm. And, yeah, I understand that if it's a team that's, you know, 5-11, and 11, uh, even though somebody's really valuable, we're not going to put them in the race. Yeah. So, yeah, there's got to be some winning there. But, uh, yeah, I think it's what you mean to your team. And can they do it without you on a week-to-week basis? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Look, I'm excited. He's ready? We have a Hall of Famer, a man with a gold jacket. We have a man who it was so good that his offspring is killing it in the NFL and he's, I think, easily one of the favorite guys that we get to talk to on a weekly basis. Yes. Our producers have to shut us up from having 15 to 20 minute conversations. Yes. Howie Long joins us on the podcast. And I, I'm look at him. He's out there in Arizona. Oh, he's in he's the grotto cool. today again. Once again. <laughs> the reason I'm so excited is I don't think there's anyone that knows more or watches more film than Howie Long and doesn't get the credit or the time to talk about it than this guy. Howie, I'm curious, how much film do you watch a day? What is your process like during the week? Uh, you know, I, if, I'm, if I'm on a plane uh, traveling, it's, it, you know, it's a great, you're, you're locked into that airplane and you know, you've got nowhere to go, so what better to do than watch film? Uh, probably 10 to 12 games uh, a, a week. Um, and, and look at it hard and, and trying to trying to find whether it's formation tendencies, pre-snap tendencies, how are teams trying to, you know, put their best players in position to be successful on either side of the football. I think that's a big key in today's game. And, you know, for a lot of offenses, particularly for protection, it's today it's less about can you block a guy and more about who do I block because mm. – more often than not, te- teams are allowing free runners based on a protection breakdown. And how do teams isolate their best players, whether it's wide receiver, tight end, uh, through pre-snap shifts, formations? How do you attack the weakest link in a secondary? Um, trends on defense, uh, things like uh, corners so playing the weeds. I love it. Yes, he's yeah, in the- so I, you know, there's a lot of things I look at. Right. I, do you do you ever? Because I, I know my father gets like this, even with the CBS broadcast at times. Do you ever get done with you know the Fox pregame and postgame show uh, at the end of the week and go, man, I wish I got to say more. I got to talk, talk more. I studied so hard all week and had all these great talking points, and I just didn't really get a chance to get it out there because you got to share time with everybody else. Well, you know, I, and I'm not sure how your pop feels, you know, because he's in a broadcast. And, that, and right. I think that gives him a, more of an opportunity to kind of get that, get that bucket a little right. more empty. Uh, but I, I think also him doing the Showtime show gives him another opportunity to maybe cover some things in a different format than he has in a broadcast. Because in a broadcast, I'm, you know, he has a, a kind of a criteria and a, and a formula that he sticks with. And he's, he, that's not him in the Showtime show. Right. For me, I would say I use probably 4%, 5% of what's in the bucket. But, but you know what? I, I enjoy the exercise. I enjoyed it as a player. Um, you know, I, back when we had, you know, reel-to-reel film and, you know, you were there, I'm sure, at some point with your dad when he was, when you were really young. Right. You know, where you're taping a sheet up on the wall and you're watching film in the bedroom at night. Uh, and, and then it went to beta and vhs and you know i'm carrying a vhs machine literally on the plane with me uh for road games and having to call down call down to the hotel front desk to get the guy from you know uh whatever electronics to come up and unplug that pay-per-view thing and plug it into your vcr so you could watch film but these players today have access to so much stuff right there on their fingertips they've got cut-ups they've got 
I want every third down package. I want every short yardage package. I want every blitz. It, it's a it's a great time to be a football player if you like to watch film and and you you value information. What's funny is so I have a few things. One, I've met a lot of defensive players, and I've never had any of them talk about schemes and concepts like you do. A lot of times I talk to defensive guys, they go, my job's to get after the quarterback. What's interesting right. is you have crossed so many errors. Your first season, stats wasn't even a statistic, and now you have sons that are in the game, so now you're, you're still in it. How has pass rushing changed? Um, I, I know that, like, just from your perspective, the game and getting after the quarterback. Well, we're throwing the ball more than ever at every level of football. Uh, I've said this many times, and for the most part, with the exception of maybe Arizona, Carolina, teams like that, the ball's out very quickly. Uh, and, and you need to – literally, if you just run by a guy, chances are you're not going to get there. Uh, Arizona's like an AFL team. It's like Daryl LaMonica. You're They're, right. They're just throwing it down the field. They have an assembly line of wide receivers. And, you know, as we saw this past week, an assembly line of running backs. And, yeah. you know, they had issues last year uh, with that team with health at the quarterback position. They didn't have a running game. Uh, they they weren't as deep at the wide receiver position. And, and Cam Newton, it's so much fun to watch in terms of as a pass rusher. It's an old school offense where they pound you 35 times a game and they challenge you to buckle your chin strap and man up on that part of it. And then when they do throw the ball, I mean, his numbers aren't aren't off the charts, but, you know, I, people have the conversation about MVP. The throws he makes hmm. down the field, particularly when it counts at the end of football games and whether it's pulling the football down and going, you know, I, I'm not sure if you can put a, a, a number on that value. Right. Totally agree. I, I, uh, so I like I always want to ask you history questions because I'm a historian and, and, of course, you were around so many great players. Two guys I've always – I don't think I've ever really asked you personally as, as far as as long as we've known each other. But I would love to hear your initial thoughts on Marcus Allen when you first got to the Oakland Raiders and also Bo Jackson the first time you saw him in person. Uh, you know, two – Totally different. You know, I, I'd say guys in today's game, I'd say Matt Forte a, a little bit. Right, that's a very good <clears throat> comparison. Remind, reminds me of Marcus, you know, that how does he make that, you know, that, that one move or the peripheral vision, you know, the ability to find the hole, to see the field. Uh, Marcus was maybe the most com complete football player I played with. You know, one of the things that Marcus doesn't get a lot of credit for one is toughness, right? Uh, tough, 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 all day tough. You know, he's the kind of guy, you know, kill him because he's just going to keep coming. Um, the other part of it is his blitz pickup. Mm. Uh, and that's not something that people talk about a lot. His his willingness to chip, to help out, to pick up the, uh, the pass rush. Uh, his game is a receiver, great receiver, great hands. He could run it, throw it, throw it. And I mean, really, right. was a great was a great quarterback as a young player, and it's something that we used at some points during our career together. And and he was uh, he was just a great player, probably the most complete player I played with. Bo Jackson was. Uh, there are very few players that I think are a glimpse at the future. I think Lawrence Taylor was a glimpse at the future. I think uh, Kellen Winslow was a glim glimpse at the future. Yeah. I think uh, Anthony Munoz was. Um, and I think Bo Jackson was, and I, I still haven't seen Bo. I mean, the guy in Minnesota probably reminds me the most of Bo, but Bo was so powerful, uh, ran with such a low center of gravity. And, you know, I'm not sure what he ran, but I think it was, you know, a 418 or yeah. a 42 at 230. And, you know, never had to lift a weight, roll out of bed. God just put his hand on his shoulders and said, you're great. Uh, and, and, and it was people got up off the bench to watch him. And I've never heard a stadium. I remember we were down in New Orleans one time and we ran a one man reverse with Bo. If you could draw that up and imagine that. Um, and as he turned the corner, you could hear an audible gasp from the crowd because you just you just didn't see things like that. Right. That kind of speed, that kind of power, that kind of size. 
And unfortunately, it, it was like a, a, a lightning bolt. Mm. You know, you, you saw it, it was beautiful, it was, you know, amazing, and it was unfortunately over far too soon. Yeah. Uh, we asked you before here at Bleach Report, who reminds you of you? Uh, you, I think, very aptly picked J.J. Watt, just not only in terms of effectiveness, but also effort and preparation. Uh, and then I kind of thought last night, if we were running the Oklahoma drill and we pitted Howie Long and J.J. Watt, I- I'm just curious how you think that would go down. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm having a hard time envisioning that because we're both <laughs> defensive players. Uh, if the coach wanted to fire I, you know the team. I tell you what, I was good in a phone booth. Yeah. I can tell you that the yes. Oklahoma drill was right up my alley. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving you, dropped, I'm giving you, you dropped, the edge, Howie, there on that one. Thanks. Now, 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 I will say this, and and I've said this many times. I'm I'm not an older retired player who is has any illusions of you know. Uh, I, I think the game is a great example would be, and and this is a an extreme example. Terry Bradshaw's offensive line that won four Super Bowls in six years, 252 pounds, the largest offensive line today on an average is 322 pounds. Okay. Joe Green was 265. The guy that's playing that position now is 340. Right. Uh, The game is bigger, stronger, and faster. And I don't, I think you, it's very hard. I'd say wide receiver translates from generation to generation. I would say, quarterback translate from generation to generation maybe the running back position the style and how the game is played has changed but very few other positions really translate and Mm -hmm. jj watt is bigger stronger faster i don't know faster but uh he's a disruptive force and 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 i don't put a value on numbers necessarily i you know the numbers are great and he he has the numbers i think he leads the league in sacks right now he does the thing that I think separates him from everyone else is like on offense when you're trying to get your best wide receiver or your best tight end in a, in a favorable matchup, they move him around from position to position and his ability to disrupt an offense. Forget about the numbers, the pressures, the way he impacts a play without a number uh, to me is what defines him. I, I, you know, through all your film studies, everything, I'd like to know, you know, what is the Super Bowl matchup you would be most excited to see? Uh, I know I'm kind of one that favors, like, I'd love to see a healthy New England versus the Arizona Cardinals. What's the, what, what's the one you're looking at that you go, oh, if they meet in the Super Bowl, this is going to be pretty good? I, you know, I like the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are an intriguing team. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think Al Davis would like – the Cardinals, Uh, you know, and and I know Terry Bradshaw likes the Cardinals because they, they do what they throw the ball down the field. Right. There, there are, you know, in a league where we're throwing the ball more than ever, it's spread out four or five wide receivers, the ball, you know, smoke screens, picks, bunch formations, all that. This team just chucks it down the field. And I mean, they throw it up and their receivers are challenged to just go get it. And we saw it even this week with Arizona. You know, there are plays where it's it's a 50-50 ball, and and they trust that their receivers are just going to get there. I like Arizona. I tell you, Seattle is intriguing to me. (laughs) You know, they're coming. That object in the rearview mirror is closer than it appears to be, and and that's Seattle on the line right now ringing in the background (laughs) saying, don't forget about us. But I, I agree, New England... And I said this on our show this week. My my concern with New England was, you know, they're in the number one seed going into this past weekend. Both Cincinnati and Denver sitting at nine and two. Denver with the the head to head, you know, matchup favors them. Denver plays Cincinnati still during the season. Could New England depleted as they are with forty eight combinations in the offensive line and. You know, every wide receiver banged up, every tight end banged up. I, I, you know, I would say I would love to see a, a, a full-strength New England. I think a, a New England's ability to change month to month, week to week, mm. half to half, quarter to quarter, series to series. I can be you, you can be me. We're all interchangeable, therefore we're all replaceable. Yeah. I think that's what defines the New England Patriots. And Chris, how would you like to have been in that Monday morning meeting this week? Oh, my gosh. That would have been actually comical to hear some of the things he would say. Uh, yes, because I've been in a few of those meetings. And 
the sarcasm and the di- the uh, direct uh, constructive criticism can be very interesting in a, in a meeting like that in New England. And it starts and it starts alphabetically with Brady. Yeah, exactly right. He will not. He will not shy away from taking a shot at Tom Brady. If Tom missed a, a throw that he feels like he should hit, he'll say. Ramapo High School's quarterback would have hit that throw, but Tom Brady can't. He would literally say that, which makes, like like uh, Howie's saying, everybody on the team's accountable, everybody yeah. is interchangeable, even Tom Brady. It's crazy to me when I talk to you guys who are in those locker rooms that not every team is like that, right. that you have some coaches that enable ego, yeah. that allow some of that stuff to fester and not just call out your quarterback in front of everybody. Uh, I, I, what was what was Madden like in terms of that regard, Howie? I, I didn't I didn't play for John. Oh, well, that was a dumb uh, But I, you know, I, I'm, no, no, I, and a lot and a lot of people ask that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I I certainly I played with a number of guys who did play for John. When you walk in that locker room, as I did in 1981, and you know, it's Gene Upshaw, it's Art Shell, it's oh. Mark Van Eek, and I, Dave Casper, I played with, and you know, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Jim Plunkett and. Cliff Branch, and, you know, I, I was fortunate to have played with a lot of guys like that. But I, I, I played under a defensive line coach, same guy that brought up Michael Strahan, uh, Earl Leggett. Wow. And I have to tell you, I had a lot of sleepless Sunday nights. Really? Uh, you know, because that Monday morning meeting right. was brutal. When I, when I tell you it was brutal, it was brutal. Uh, and, you know, two things that I didn't look forward to, the Monday morning meeting and laying in bed every night in training camp because I knew we were doing 42 up-downs before, <laughs> right. every, before every practice. Right, that's uh, torture. Just to get warmed up. So uh, I know what accountability looks like. Um, your, your, your dad certainly does, having played for Bill. Bill, Bill Parcells. You know, Bill Belichick, you know, they're all cut from the same cloth. And, you know, accountability and pointing out your flaws is something that's consistent with everyone from that tree. Oh, I, we got one question. I, what are you I doing? Gotta, I got to ask him one question. You lose because you asked him about John Madden Damn. and what he was like. So I get to ask the last question. <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right. So this day and age in the NFL, if you can picture playing in this day and age in the NFL, free agency. I know you and I have talked about this before because I'm amazed that the Philadelphia Eagles got a guy like Byron Maxwell and thought he was going to be a man-to-man shutdown corner when oh. you evaluate him and he did not play man-to-man in Seattle, with Seattle. You, if you were a free agent this day and age – uh, would you be totally scheme? Uh, you know, would you be thinking of the scheme, and would you only go to a three-four since you were in a three-four for the majority of your career, or would you be willing to go to a four-three type defense? No, I, I, I would, I would probably like to play. You know, I, I think playing in New England would be a challenge, mm, right? Uh, from a scheme standpoint, and, and it would never be dull because it, it would always challenge you intellectually week to week because once again their ability to morph from a 4-3 to a 3-4, two down, three down, four down, one down, right. play coverage. That intrigues me. I, I like what Seattle does. Uh, I, I really do. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Bennett's. I'm a big fan of A-Rolls. Yes. Uh, I, I think playing in that kind of an environment, that's nine sacks alone right, right there. And, and that home field environment where the crowd noise – and it's interesting because Kyle playing in Green Bay, and I had never heard this, and, and Green Bay fans don't get enough credit, in a driving rainstorm at 40 degrees, 38 degrees, not a, that was the night Brett Favre went into their right. you know, ring of honor right. and they retired his, his jersey. Uh, not a fan left that building, and, and Kyle said it was as noisy, if not more noisy, than Seattle. So wow. that would factor into my my equation. How do you fit the scheme? As you mentioned, if I'm a if I'm a zone corner, I'm not going to a man uh, scheme uh, and vice versa. Right. But I, I would I think once you've played in a three four, you can play every blocking combination. Uh, right. You understand how to take on blocks, how to play with leverage. Uh, getting to the quarterback is very difficult from a straight three, four, two gap, play the run first, get the linebackers to flow system. Playing in that Seattle front where they're just 
they're just pinning their ears back and coming right. as, as would be intriguing. Right. All right, I got. Well, I'm I'm getting this in here. All I'm right, doing it. Go ahead. I know that you're an avid watcher of the Hidden Truth segment we do here, Howie, where Sims from his tape study goes through and picks out hidden truths. I'm curious. Have there been any that you've either disagreed with or were surprised that Sims came out with from watching? Give me your last three, Chris. Uh, well, I mean, of course I did your son a few weeks ago. That was two weeks ago when I said he's the best tackle in football that no one talks about. Uh, right. So I was interested to maybe hear your thoughts about that. Uh, last week I did. The misuse I actually, of Odell Beckham Jr. I did, yes. They don't use. The, Odell Beckham Jr. only runs three routes I did last week. Uh, I did one on that I think Emmanuel Sanders is the Denver Broncos' number one target. And then my third Delaney one, Walker. Uh, what was it? Delaney, Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker is the best pass-catching tight end in football other than Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, and, and I was surprised that Delaney Walker moved on. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought he was far more valuable than obviously they thought. Right. Uh, I think he's... He's perfect for today's game where he's he's a hybrid guy. Um, I, I Odell Beckham Jr. is he's a hold your breath breath player. Oh, yes. Whether he's running one route, two routes, three routes, he's a hold your breath player. And I agree with your assessment up in Denver. I think he is the number one guy. And um, him along with the guy in Pittsburgh are are fascinating guys because we we play in a in a game now where it's the big receiver right mm. we want the six three six four receiver that's you know that's big and you throw it up and you get it to him the guys like sanders and you know they're really an amazing core of receivers and you know they're dynamic and they can hit the home run on any play yeah. awesome howie long you are the man Always appreciate your time. I, I would like to do this every week. Yeah, I it mean, Howie, nice. yeah, we, you always can come on. If you feel like you need to spew yeah. and talk ball, <laughs> you just tell us and we'll get you on. I just I just got home about, golly, about midnight last night. from. We did a show from Pearl Harbor. So oh. we, I just got back from Hawaii late last night. So I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm, I don't know what time zone I'm in. Well, awesome. shake out the cobwebs. Thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. You're the man. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. See you, Howie. Brother. Um, oh. Howie, yeah, one of these days when we get him in New York, we need to get Howie. I was going to say Howie and your dad Howie and my dad together would be great. because Maybe we get five seats up there. We get Boomer in here. This is yes. what I was talking about Because I think Howie, Howie will tell you the, the only quarterback, table. he only likes like three quarterbacks in the history of football, and oddly enough, my dad is one of them. So he thinks they're all wusses what about, what and wimps. Uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> but, well, your dad, the story that's always funny is the Eagles story. They respected him because he got beat up all the time and he would take all the hits. Well, yeah, like Reggie White and Clyde Simmons yeah. used to pick him up and be like, all right, come on, hang in there. Well, hang in there. You're all right. You're all right. Don't worry. You're doing good. They used to give him pep talks. So um, <laughs> Howie uh, obviously was speaking very highly about Cam Newton. That's where we were leaving off our conversation. Yeah. And I, I want to give a little shout-out to our editor-in-chief here at Bleacher Report, Joe Yanarella, who Ooh. likes to throw ideas in the mix. Sure. He asked you the question, which was, would you think about sitting Cam Newton the rest of the way? Right. Because you don't want to get him hurt. Right. Rest him a little bit. How do you navigate that yeah, question? Yeah, that, that's a very, that's a really good question. Because you I also love, have possibility of undefeated season. It, it definitely does. Uh, but to me, at least as a player, a guy that, you know, was involved in coaching a little bit, number one goal is win the Super Bowl. I don't really give a damn about the undefeated season. I want to have the trophy in the ring. The the undefeated season is just icing on the cake. Oh, now, yeah. okay, go ahead. Say what no, you want to say. I was going to say the thing that always scares me about Cam, because this is a fan question. Right. A fan question to me is, well, rest him. He'll be better when he comes back. They're in a flow right now. They Do you are want to in a mess flow. up the flow? I, I, they're in a flow. And I think, Josh, pull up their schedule, Carolina it's Panthers. It's very easy to It get. is easy. The big thing is, is really going to be predicated on the Arizona Cardinals a little bit. I'm only going to – I am going to take Cam Newton out when I know I have the number one seed locked up. Wow. The number one seed to me is very important. So if Arizona were to lose to Minnesota on Thursday exactly night, they have right. three losses, and, they, and, then and they, Carolina only has to really win one they more. they got to win get. this one game? Yes, I am going to think about being very careful with Cam Newton. You, the Carolina Panthers, cannot win the Super Bowl or even get there yeah, okay. without Cam. Get it. Now, here's my question. Right. One, is it possible to tell Cam, don't take as much contact, because that's kind of what their offense is based around? Right. Two, can, you, can it be more safe, maybe just pull him early? Because isn't there a concern, though, that – if you don't have a quarterback play three, four weeks in a row, there is a rust factor. That's why we've seen, I feel like, the wild card teams make these runs in the playoffs. There, in the there, is, a, there is a little bit of that. that I, you know, uh, listen, all Does those. I don't, think, I don't think he can play without the contact. That's just his game. Yeah. It's like asking, you know, 
Aaron Rodgers to, to play without dancing around the pocket. So how beneficial is it to rest him? So uh, I do. I think it's very beneficial with the fact, too, uh, I think the one of the things that goes – it's not necessarily on the quarterback with the wild card games and things like that. The biggest thing is the team in general. Uh, that, that team that gets that first-round divisional bye, that team the week before has already been battle-tested and knows what the playoff emotions and atmosphere are like. Yes. So they're not shocked. Where the other team, because you got that first-round bye, it's like, oh, wait, this is the playoffs. The intensity is yeah. a little up, so it takes them a second to adjust. Part of, to, to I, that point, well, no, finish But, but no, I, I mean, listen, I, I understand it's a very dicey situation. Uh, but, yes, I would be very careful with Cam Newton, but not until I have that number one seed locked up. Yeah. Who is it this week? It's Atlanta. Yeah, so it's home against Atlanta this week. Right. Week 15, they're at the Giants. Right. Week 16, they're at Atlanta. Right. And week 17, they're home against Tampa Bay. Yes. So, uh, and yeah, Atlanta like twice. Over the you last know, if you get down to week 17 and Tampa's playing for a playoff spot and you're playing for nothing, I'm sitting Cam Newton out. I don't care. I'm not taking the chance of Gerald McCoy running yeah. over my Cam Newton. So he, here's my thing. One, what you're saying, I think one of the reasons why I've been so high on the Panthers right. all year and Cam Newton and everyone's been questioning me, I don't understand why, is you talked about the, the getting used to playoff atmosphere. Right. Playing against Seattle last year, in which it was literally him by himself against that defense, yeah. and, and Arizona, I, I just thought this Carolina team has that playoff seasoning a little bit yes. in terms of being in that atmosphere. And I don't think people gave enough credit to that. Yeah. But two, let's say they're 15-0, and 0, right. and it is Tampa Bay the last game of the year. Right. I think it's going to be a Matt Harvey situation. You're going to pull me? You're going to pull me. You've been telling me all year that we're going to win the game at hand, win the game at hand, and we have a chance to make history. Now, the smart coach might go, yeah, we're not getting hurt, but everyone is going to be saying, how do you waste this opportunity? And Ron Rivera is going to be facing a heck of a tough situation. It is, but that's why he's paid a lot of money, and that's why he's a head yeah. coach. And I, you know, This is just what I would do, you know. and I understand. Hey, Bill Belichick did it. I was at the game when – they went 16-0 and and beat the New York Giants in the last game of the year. Speaking of the, the New England Patriots, the New England Patriots have not won a road playoff game in almost a decade. Right. In almost a decade. And all six Super Bowls that they went to, hmm. they had a bye. Hmm. Do the Patriots need a bye to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl? So has it been a, has it been a decade? 2006, huh? 2007. When they beat the San Diego Chargers. San Diego Chargers. Right. In a game they should have lost. I mean, the San Diego Chargers intercepted the ball to win the game. Now, they've had a lot of home field advantage, which is part of the reason why they haven't had to win a game on the road. So right. it's, it's like the, the fourth quarter comebacks, well, you put yourself in a position to be losing. Yes. But do they need that bye? Uh, I don't think they need that bye. I mean, and, and, and to me, they're the one team in football that if they play the wild card game, which they would play it at home, they are the team that can go on the road two weeks in a row and do it. Uh, I understand that's a long streak. It's a good stat, actually. I'm trying to think when the Colts went and played the Saints in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, who did the Patriots beat the week before that to play them? You don't remember either way? Well, he'll look it. insane. He'll but, look it up. But, okay, so either way, though um, – Yes, I do believe they can do it. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they're just they're one team that is always proving us wrong with all those kind of things. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to ask the whole are they in trouble thing. I think if you are still questioning the Patriots at this point of the year because of injuries or, like, they, they, they always drop a game like I, this. I don't think, they like, always come back and do win. Do you think, like, the New England Patriots are going to be, like, shaking in their boots and be like, oh, we got to go play Andy Dalton in the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional game. Oh, no. I don't think so. Some sweet you like that moves? moves? Yeah. Ugh. And then they've already proven they can beat Denver in Denver. I mean, they yeah. won if the guy doesn't drop the punt. I, so. I guess the thing that I've learned about the NFL this season that I don't understand from a lot of people's reactions is there are a lot of times where teams dominate games and then lose and we we, we get down on them for losing. Right. Um, and then there's teams that are not dominating any part of the game and win and we, we pump them up. Right. Like the Giants to me this year are the perfect example of teams that have not dominated any game this year. Sure. Other than maybe the Falcons right. that they right. lost. Right. But they're, they're, they're getting turnovers and stuff and yet we're giving them credit for being good. The Patriots dominated the Eagles yes. and the Broncos, right. but it was like momentarily lapses of crazy and special teams. And it's errors. three phases of the game, right? We always overlook special teams. I mean, we certainly do. Uh, most, uh, you know, analysts and whatever else you watch any program, uh, they never talk about that like third the Jets phase of the game. Dominated the Giants this past weekend. Dominated the game. Dominated. Yes, they did. But they blew two coverages. Buster Screen decided not to cover Odell Beckham Jr. on a slant route. He decided to go after the tight end, so that ended up a seventy-yard touchdown. Yeah. And then, yes, one of the linebackers didn't. 
Uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. And then they had the punt return. Uh, like Carolina, I thought, dominated that game against New Orleans. In a lot of ways, they did. There's no doubt. I mean, New Orleans got off to that quick start. Uh, there, You could see they were physically the better team. But, yeah, they, they missed their chances to kind of put New Orleans away, let them hang around. But when you watched Oakland-Kansas City. Yes. Oakland had that game. Well, I mean, Oakland was up twenty to fourteen. We we literally just went I over and watched it to you, right. Derek Carr misses Crabtree on a wide open slant that he may have taken to the house, right? And if not, maybe he does a drive. And they go up twenty seven to fourteen. Right. If, Next play, sack, fumble, picked up Muwaga. Yeah, interception. We're tied. Either way, yes. No, it was a fumble. No, he. Well, it was an interception. Whatever. Yeah, but either way, it's right. He, he was hit. Yeah, who was the Patriots here? They lost to the Ravens thirty three fourteen on Wild Card Weekend. The no, year no. The I want to know the year. Uh, oh, no, so it might be earlier. And, okay, forget yeah, it. I'm scratching that. We're not talking about it. I screwed up with the question. So, look, we're, we're talking about all the Super Bowl contenders, which is one thing that I'm happy we do uh, because that's what th- – these are the teams that have a chance to win it all. But you had a chance this past weekend to call Jacksonville, Tennessee. Right. And I think the coolest thing about this for uh, stuff like our podcast is you get to see the players and see how they've changed because – You've covered both these teams already this year, right? Well, no, I, I no, I didn't cover either one this year. But that was a great Dude, question. I'm You're like on fire, uh, yeah, John Madden, couch, uh, coaching how. But he anyway, won. so uh, you, you get to see Mariota have an incredible game right. with an 87. I saw touchdown. Tennessee and Jacksonville last year. That's what it was. Right, so. and then Blake Bortles throws five touchdowns. Yes. Uh, give me your takeaways of Mariota. Uh, Mariota is is as as advertised. Um, so first of all, I got to practice late on Friday because my Delta. Uh, pilot didn't show up for the flight. So what do you mean? They didn't show up. I had a 715 flight. The pilot didn't show up, so we had to wait two hours for a pilot to come in. Did they tell you on the plane that the pilot wasn't there? No, no, they told us at the gate. Oh. And how is that legal? Can someone tell me how that's legal? Like, can they give me my money back? Was um, it a Friday? Uh, it was. It was a Friday Thursday, morning. Thursday, bro. That's ridiculous. So that was ridiculous. That really actually truly f***ing pisses me off. There's my swear word. Uh, so I only got to see the last 10 throws of practice from Marcus Mariota. Uh, but still, I think the thing that jumps out to me about him in person, uh, he has got a great presence. There's something to be said about that. You go and see them on the field, or if he walks in the meeting room, you're like, he's starting quarterback. Because you had doubts about him. I, I did. I had doubts of whether he can make that adjustment as far as being a pocket quarterback. And in fact, what's funny now when you really evaluate him, I want to tell him to run more. It's really funny because I think he is – such a pleaser, and this is what they even told me. He's a pleaser. He wants to take coaching. They've worked on working in the pocket. But when you really watch film, sometimes lanes open up. And I'm like, oh, dude, you could go run for 40, but he hangs in there and tries to make a throw. One of the biggest doubts you had about Mariota was when he was in the playoffs for the college football playoffs. Yes. He wasn't running away from Florida State guys or yes. Alabama guys. Right. And then I feel like you came back and you, you have a different – I guess yeah. respect about his speed. I do. His speed is faster in person than on TV. That is one thing. He's the second fastest quarterback I've seen in person other than Michael Vick, who's one of the fastest people in NFL history, let alone quarterbacks. You're talking like Steve Young, everybody. I've seen Steve Young in person. You know, of course, growing up, I saw Randall Cunningham play in person. Marcus Marietta would beat them in the 40, the 50, the 100, whatever he wants wow. to. Wow. Yeah, he can really go. Uh, is the spread option going to work in football? No, they tried to do that read option stuff a few times in the game against Jacksonville, and he got ran down in a hurry. But as far as a scrambler, yeah, he's special. There's just not too many people on the planet yeah. that can do that and also throw the way he throws. Uh, but, yeah, he was amazing to see in person. What was I he like in the talk. meeting room? He's, he's just like you see him at the podium. It's very direct, you know, a little giggle, but you're not going to break him down and get him loose to where you can just talk about anything. Yeah. Uh, but he's just a true professional, and he is the guy you want to be. He knows he's in the NFL now, though, right? He's it's, the man. It's well, that's, I, that was, you know, I love to ask questions like that. So I did. I go, what was your welcome to the NFL moment? And he goes, man, week two, we're playing the Cleveland Browns, and I thought I had a scramble lane where I was going to split these two defenders and go to run a touchdown. He goes, in the Pac-12, I definitely would have scored a touchdown. He goes, but I tried to fit through the hole, and they hit me, and I fumbled. And he goes, that was my welcome to the NFL moment. Hmm. Uh, but I uh, truly am sold on him from – Every aspect. Wow. Yeah, I really am. Heck of a quarterback draft, huh? Heck, I mean, really, him and Jameis. Uh, Doyle Green Beckham, you see him in person. I mean, it's Calvin Johnson in person. Is he the player? Uh, we'll see, but he's got those attributes. I mean, That's he's why a, you take him where they took he's him. He's a giant. Um, and then Blake Bortles throws five touchdowns, and I'm curious what your take is on him in the second year because you were very disappointed in him year one. Yeah, I thought that was a horrible pick at number three. I think we've said it a number of times. I think he's the most improved quarterback in football this year. Am I sold on him? 
No, I'm really not quite there yet. I do like where he's going. But I think when you really watch a game, and even that Jacksonville-Tennessee game, I go, how many great throws did he make? I don't know if he really made one great throw, but I'll give him credit because he gives his receivers some chances to make plays for him down the field. And, man, Allen Robinson was the star of the game, in my opinion, too, just to see him in person. Um, he is he is, the best wide receiver no one's talking about? Uh, I think he is, yes. He is, probably is. I just He's stuck in Jacksonville, has no weakness to his game. I mean, none. He's a good route runner. He's physical. He can scare you deep. And then he's 6'3 and has a 40-something-inch vertical. Uh, he is kind of one of those under-the-radar. Never going to say he'll be – I don't think he'll be a top-five receiver. I think he's always going to be in that top-ten conversation, though, throughout his career. That wide receiver draft was ridiculous. Insane. I mean, um, yeah. Hey, Josh, get back in your seat, bro. What is Mother Hen? What are you worried about, Mother Hen? Oh, go back to him. Yeah. Yeah, he's tripping over his curtain. So, Josh, so I would like to talk about (laughs) DeMarco Murray. Josh, give me a breakdown of what happened with him. I would love to tell you what happened with DeMarco Murray, Adam. Ed Werder from ESPN.com. He's got to do everything, this kid. Ed Werder from ESPN.com reported that uh, DeMarco went to Jeffrey Lurie to complain about his— The owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. The owner of the Philadelphia Eagles to complain about his role in the offense. And the quote from Ed Werder's source was, he's obviously upset about what happened. Uh, In Werder's report, he said that DeMarco didn't want to cause a scene— so that's why he went to the owner. Now, obviously, he ended up causing a scene because it got out. Of but. course. So here's what's interesting. So Jeffrey Lurie is releasing that information? I wonder no, who that comes from. No, but I'll from. tell you who probably is. What? DeMarco Murray? Who has Ed Werder always covered? The Dallas Cowboys. Who would be a connection? DeMarco Murray. Now, what's interesting is the not causing a scene. That's like a DeMarco Murray caveat. Right. He thought he was doing something great. Right. By not, that, that's my take. It's obviously not valid or whatever. But I'm curious. Talking to an owner, is that, is I think that a go, thing? It goes on a little more. You over you overgo Chip Kelly? Yeah. That's, that's rare. Now, does it happen? I think it has happened a lot of times in professional sports. I really do, especially in football. Yes. I mean, I can think of Dan Marino's career. Dan Marino had that kind of relationship with the owner of the Miami Dolphins at the time. I can't th- remember who exactly it was. Uh, he could talk to the owner like that, certainly. Um, I mean, when that I was... That seems crazy to me, dude. To go to about it about football decisions is a little crazy, in my opinion, yes. Like contracts, I guess. That's, yes. Did you have that relationship with your owners? I, I, I did a little bit in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, I was kind of the young upcomer. We went to the playoffs. I was the starting quarterback. I think, you know, I think the, the Glazier family thought I was the guy going forward, and I think John Gruden led them to believe that as well. Uh, and, of course, I believe that. So, yeah, I did have a relationship with them. But at no point, I mean, we went out to dinner together, and did things like that, but we at no point did we ever talk about John Gruden or football. It was never got into those discussions. Yeah. Maybe things about overall our team, what I was excited about, but we never got into the nitty-gritty sure. what we need to fix. That How was, is DeMarco Murray the only person that watches the game and goes, he's not the best option? How is he the only person in the world, and I guess Chip Kelly for weeks before, I mean, because he believes he's the best option, and he believes he's being used wrong. And I, I would agree with that. I, I'm, listen, I think you could put DeMarco Murray back on the Dallas Cowboys this year. You don't think year. Darren Sproles is more effective than, than In him. that system, he is, yes. So what were you about to say about DeMarco Murray? I think if you put DeMarco Murray back on the Dallas Cowboys this whole past year, uh, he's one of the five leading rushers in football. But this is not made for him. This offense of running sideways, putting my foot in the ground, making a cutback, doing all that, that's not what DeMarco Murray's made to do. You watched the Cowboys last year. It was pulling guards. It was inside zone where he got to go downhill. And then it was a linebacker, and he was going to crash what is into a locker? Him. How does a locker room react when a story like this comes out, that you went to the owner, that you literally went to the, to the principal and was like, I'm not? Yeah, that's going to make a lot of people pissed off at him in that locker room. I really do. I think more, more than not. Now, there's going to be some people that are going to act like it's not a big deal, but I, I think most of the teams are going to look at him and go, man, that's just not right. I don't get to talk to the owner. That's going to be the first thing. Why does he get to talk to the owner and I don't mm. and have those discussions? It's like any given Sunday. Uh, it's like Jamie Foxx going to Cameron Diaz and be like, what's the deal? Like, I think what? that's the number one thing people don't realize what head coaches have to deal with in the NFL. It's a firestorm every day in an NFL, for an NFL coach. Really? There's always something. A guy's late for practice. His brother just died. He might have to fly back. And co- There's always something. You, you think, like, oh, I'm going to be able to coach football and get after it. No, sometimes the head coach gets pulled away for other crap uh, and is t- constantly, constantly dealing with a crisis management, uh, but it doesn't always get out in the media. But it's, it's a lot more prevalent in an NFL organization than people realize. Jeez. Especially when you take a, 
the the it just seems childish and stupid. Yeah, it, it is. At the end of the day, exactly right. They're not right. playing me enough. Exactly Please, right. Jeffrey. Right. <laughs> stupid. Well, they paid him a lot of money, and I'm sure in DeMarco Murray's defense, he probably feels somewhat guilty about it, too. He goes, mm. man, you paid me. I want to do right. well. It's not like he wants to fail. Right. So there's a little bit of that as well. You're probably right. So, so. look, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm a DeMarco Murray, and I'm not – you know, hitting the holes right. Right. And, and well, the there. John Madden question, he certainly didn't. So you know right. what you do? You bring in our Darren Sproles. And that's Steven <laughs> Nelson. Change of pace. Woo! Super athletic. Man. Quick. Good cuts. How's the, how's the heat today on you? That's good. He's it's looking good. good. It's good. He's looking good. Oh, How you I, doing, man? This is my favorite actual Steven. Was this your clothes? <laughs> it is. This is my. I, I would like to say that Steven Nelson, I mean, this is fashion faux pas in the words of Chris. <laughs> in the words of Chris. Woody gave you permission to wear all this? She did. Oh, or did you just Woody, say? Woody approved this outfit. That means I am good to go. Okay, yeah. that's incredible. She doesn't. Man. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we guys know. There's a lot of stuff that I wear that Woody's like. No I'm white. Not, I would no not. White loafers. I'm not putting my name on that. Right. Uh, so I don't put it in that situation. Well, I'm proud of you. Uh, it's good to be back, fellas. Ready to go uh, down low. I am. Before we get to the game picks. Right. So is DJ Steinmetz is back from London town. He is, and he's already spitting that. He's shit. already spitting that. Shit. Well, this is not what I was expecting to read. Uh, well, we need to have that, that. That side. We need to have that uh, conversation. But this side is the inspiration for our first topic. Okay, again. yes. I know you're not inspired by any of the faces around. Some I are, but some Cuff. I think are absolutely ridiculous. So this is talking about getting rid of Tom Coughlin. The New York Giants, another defeat. Dropped to 5-7. and seven. The fifth loss this year, gentlemen, right. in which the team has given up a lead with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Five of seven losses. And now people are calling for change, including some Giants fans here in the Bleacher Report office. My question for you two is a serious one. Is it time to fire the Super Bowl winning head coach? Two if times. so, two times. Right. If so, who would you like to see take over the reins of Big Blue? Big Blue. Can, I, can we run through this really quick? Yeah. Just say the names. So on I'm going to say the names and you say... Yes, no, right. or and that's of course stupid. I know what the Giants dumb, dumb, are looking dumb, yeah. for. The Giants yeah, have a certain yeah. mold. The Giants have a mold of a coach they're looking okay, for. Okay, so do these guys fit in the mold? Go Brian ahead. Kelly, Notre Dame. Totally fits the mold. Could see it happening. David Shaw, Stanford. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Don't really understand it. David Shaw, what's he gonna do? First of all, I gotta what's he gonna do in the NFL? Get in a three tight end set and run the power run game? I mean, is that what he's gonna bring to the table? I, I think that I don't think that's gonna catch anybody's by surprise. Payton. And their passing game in Sanford's not very good either. Sean Payton, that so would Kevin be Hogan. very interesting. I think mm. that could very much so happen. Terrell Austin. What the hell kind of language? Very oh, much so happen. <laughs> that could very much so happen. Uh, Terrell Austin. Terrell Austin, I don't think that's going to happen for the Giants, but Terrell Austin, along with Ray Orton, defensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, Should those are two guys you want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, African-American head coaches, those are two guys that need to be in it. I don't care if they're black, white, or yellow. They need to be in the conversation. Todd Haley. Todd Haley, I think it's unlikely to happen, but I do think he fits the mold of the you Giants. You do. I didn't think he fit the I Giants. Do. Well, he's, he's, he's Bill Parcells' coaching tree. So he's, yeah, he's he just seems a little like brash and he gets like excited. Yeah, I feel like but the he's Giants also going like to be to the book. But gotcha. yes, he does have a little bit of a temper. There's no doubt. Uh, Jim Mora Jr. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's. I think that's the dumbest one. I don't think that's a New York Giants quality. I like Jim Mora Jr. I think Jim Mora Jr. is perfect for college football. I think UCLA. Jim Mora Jr. is the worst New York possibility ever because this is a that dude leaks things. Right? Am I wrong? I don't know. Does he? I don't know. What did he leak? I don't know. Everywhere he's gone, there's been all rumors I, from the locker room. Well, all I know is he squashed that P. Diddy stuff when P. Diddy tried to hit the damn you strike coach that. with his kettlebell. Kevin uh, Sumlin. Kevin's. Uh, that's another one. That's that's the most ridiculous one to me. Kevin Sumlin. Texas A&M can't. When they win the SEC West, let's talk about him getting the new job. For now, he's staying at Texas A&M. Last one. I think you're okay with Josh McDaniels. Uh, yeah, Josh McDaniels is the, yes, it's exactly right. Again, it's Bill Belichick coaching tree. Uh, it's going to be very professional, detailed. Yes, they're not going to have to worry about anything there. Th that makes sense. If the Giants make the playoffs, does Coughlin stay? Uh, I think he's going to have to make the playoffs and win maybe a game or two. I really do. I don't think just as, if they make the playoffs at 7-9, and nine, which is very realistic right now in the, in the NFC, and win the division that way, uh, yeah, I do think he's going to have to go on a special-type run, which we've seen before. 
I don't think there's a lot of talent on this team, but he's made some questionable decisions as of late. How much of what's going on is his fault? Yes. Okay. So that's a very uh, thank, that's a good question. That you know, first of all, I think he's a little victim of his own greatness. Tom Coughlin's a very good football coach, still the best coach in the NFC East. He's kept that team close in a lot of games with their coaching yeah. when they were the lesser team on the field more times than not a la this past weekend. Their offensive line is awful. Right. The New York Jets were everybody. There's not a person you could talk to in football that wouldn't have been like, oh, the New York Jets are so much better than the Giants. It's not even close. Right. Uh, so it's a top five team in terms So of I do think you have to take, yeah, right, the Jets are. So I do think you have to take them into account. Then you have to talk about Jerry Reese and the product on the field then if you yeah. want to get deep into that conversation. Uh, that's a little, yeah, that's a little scary to me. But the blunders at the end of the game are concerning a little. I have no problem with Atlanta, with Eli Manning right. fumbling, but the clock management with the Dallas Cowboys week one. Sure. And then, yes, I mean, I wish we could look up the percentages as far as if a team has to score two touchdowns to come back and win a the game. The Jets couldn't make a drive the entire game. Right. Make them, I guarantee the percentages, if we could break that down and find numbers, I don't yeah. know how we would do that. That'd be in the next podcast. Yeah. Number 43. Uh, but yeah. That would be. I'm thrilled that Ben McAdoo's not on this because that was something all year the Giants were like, do they just promote Ben McAdoo? And it's like they're running the the Green Bay Packers offense, which you're sitting here going, it's the initial install of the West Coast. Exactly right. And they just have Odell Beckham Jr. I think it's really hard because it truly is something in the NFL where if you've won two Super Bowls, you it, you can't really question that person. No, but, but we you're are, 69 years old. Course, you're too. 69 years right. old. And I think Giants fans are ready for a change. Yeah, I, I, I think they're ready. Statistician Steve Pellegrino said, pointed out since 2013, Giants 18 and 26. Not seeing a lot of improvement. That's what Pelly said. Uh, we'll see what the Giants trade for that, Sean Payton, uh, which Gabe, is Gabe's Gabe's choice. Fans, he wants Sean Payton. He wants Sean Payton. Yeah. Uh, second download question, I'll Sean speed Payton, it up as DJ Steinmetz spins that other s***. <laughs> Meta World Peace. He's a beautiful human. So is Kobe Bryant, as you talked about in his him. podcast last week. The farewell tour for the Mamba continued in Toronto, and afterwards, Metal World Peace was asked about fans' reception of number 24. And he said, and I quote, It's amazing. It's like they're horny for it. Horny fans. Make sure you quote that right. I just did, Ron. And now my question for you two is, which athlete turns you off? Ooh. Right now. It's really easy for me. Who turns you off? It's the same guy he's talking about making him horny. I just. Kobe turns you yeah, off. Yeah, Kobe turns you off. I don't really understand the love. Like, let's go make, let's go watch him go six for 28. And, like, why, I, I don't understand that. People like, are let's go on the court after Let's go watch security. a player pass his prime, right. not play that well. That, that's not something that interests me. What about a football player? Oh, a turn me off football player. So, right now, everybody loves Cam. Yes. Which is understandable. Yeah, but I know I love you love Cam Ron too. Parker. I, I do. Uh, oh, you're saying players that do make me horny, though? You no, 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 I want the flip side the of the coin. The flip side. I know. i got to think about it for a second. Uh, because that really, Kobe was the, the slam dunk yeah. one to me. You? For me, the, my, my initial instinct is Teddy Bridgewater. And mm. I know that I've been kind of saying that on this podcast for a long time. And I, I'm really confused because I don't know if Teddy's the one that's playing completely passive or if they're telling him to play that way. But... He was being mentioned so many times as his top quarterback, and I, I don't see it anymore. Right. I, and I, I look at guys like even the Bortles and, and the Jameises and the Mariotas, and I see these young guys that are Derek really Carr. making – and Derek Carr making these great plays, and I, I haven't seen growth out of Teddy. And I, I think the one guy that really turns me off also is what I witnessed last night on Monday Night Football, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I have never seen someone with so many incredible gifts – that constantly puts his team in danger with dumb decisions. <laughs> the amount of primetime games against the Cowboys where he runs to the goal line and drops it beforehand, right. or last night runs around, um, he could be incredible. And it's, it, I'm starting to feel that way about Mike Evans a little bit too, where I mm. see these wide receivers that have these incredible gifts and they mentally can't handle it because of... Uh, and Odell Beckham Jr. is a little... He's up there. Wide receivers, I think I have an issue with. Yeah, <laughs> barely. barely. Yeah. Uh, Can I think of one? No, I don't really have another Kobe's one. fine. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I think you want to move on to game picks so you can toot your own horn here, Chris Sims, because I believe we have a new leader. Chip, chip, chip. See, what I do is. If I could have a team that I could put as turn me off, it would be the Minnesota Vikings. When it's time for the playoff time, see, my focus, my preparation has. Turns up. Started to come together all as one, and so, I'm just chipping away. Chip, if we go through chip, the games chip, last week, you guys both got New England wrong. You guys both got the Redskins wrong. 
You guys got the Steelers right, you got the Chiefs right, and you got the Jets right. And there was one game that you disagreed on. It was uh, the Seahawks-Vikings game. Chris, yep. you picked the Seahawks. Lefko, you picked the Vikings. If I would have known that Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr would get hurt in the Here first minute go. of the Sims game. Sims is now 45-24, and 24, and Lefko is 44-25 and 25 on the season. I've had a lead the entire season. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Go ahead. No, I think she'd still be your aunt. We're in a transgender society yeah. now, and I'd rather you have respect for your family. What? What? Would she still be my aunt? Really? I guess so. Five games in week 14. <laughs> snip, snip, pick. snip it away. <laughs> Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Sims, you're the new leader. Yeah. So you have the option to receive or defer. Pittsburgh at yeah, Cincinnati. Let's do oh, a snake. Let's I do can, a snake. I can defer? You can defer. Yeah, you, you, it's a snake. There yeah. you go. Defer. Which okay. one is it? Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Uh, I think that this is the hardest game to pick. I think it's the most entertaining game of the week. And I am going with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger getting it done. It's a good one. I'm the gonna... non-playoff making Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes! So it's gonna I be, love it. Because be this is the moment where you look at it and go, look, both secondaries are not that great. Right. Cincinnati's defense is a lot better than Pittsburgh's Cincinnati's defense. Cincinnati's secondary is a lot better. A but lot better. Yes. But I just, I'm just i taking Big Ben over Andy Dalton. Hurry Atlanta up. at Carolina. Uh, come on. Carolina. Okay. Carolina. Yeah. Washington at Chicago. I am going to take the Chicago Bears and Jay Cutler. Whew, that's a tough one. Why are really you is. doubt this? That's a really I'm just sighing internally. That's a really tough one. I am also going to take Chicago Bears and Jay Cutler. Great. No, Kirk was, Cousins doesn't win games. He just doesn't lose them. Yeah, and I don't, the Bears gave the yeah, game they gave away. Yeah, they gave the game away. Yes. Dallas at Green Bay. I'm taking Green Bay. Yeah, it'll be ugly, and it's going to be really close. I don't know. What's the spread for that game? That's going to be I'm interesting. I'm so happy that we're disagreeing on Pittsburgh-Cincinnati. Yeah. So happy. Uh, last but not least, finishing up with the Eagles game. Philly at home against Buffalo. Wow. LaShawn McCoy bowl. Yeah. Who stands by everything he says about Uh, Kelly? I like the fact that we've reached a point where we don't talk about Rex Ryan naming people captain anymore. We've now accepted that. Uh, I'll take the lead on this. Uh, I don't think that – I think Philadelphia fans are really excited right now. I'm going Buffalo. I just think they're too athletic and strong, and I don't think that Chip has a coaching advantage in any game anymore. Um, and they're not winning this game on special teams. I, I think Buffalo is going to win this game. Three-game yeah. lead sounds potentially very nice if you pick the Eagles here. No, right I'm there. definitely going with Buffalo. Okay. Yes, yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, this, I do think this game could be interesting. And I think that Sammy Watkins against the Eagles defense sounds <laughs> terrifying. Could be scary. Yes, sounds no absolutely doubt. terrifying. Because if you've been watching Sammy Watkins as of late, right. boy, has he been impressive. Right. Sammy Watkins has been playing so well that the whole, wow, they really made a mistake taking him over Odell Beckham and Mike Evans right. is now a discussion. I know Odell Beckham is the clear one, but I think Sammy is right there. Um, and I, I, man, that what an incredible draft! Yeah, it's class. hard to say because and Alan just, Robinson is the in the discussion offense. for thirty-four or five. Yeah, uh, I, I, I understand that. See, yeah, it's hard to say with Sammy just because that offense is limited in the I am, past game. I am ecstatic that I'm getting Pittsburgh. I think I'm getting the better quarterback. Yeah. I think I'm getting the better coach. Uh, but I can understand Cincinnati. Their defense has been great. Um, I get another do-over to try and get it. We're going to get a do-over right here for a topic that was edited out of last week's podcast. Oh. And I'm setting we it out like this for sure we because it, it could get edited again. So what's been an ongoing thing, if we can get Fendrick up in the double box really quick, but bing okay, is whenever we talk about something sexual in nature, which as human beings I think is common occurrence, yeah. uh, Fendrick gets a little bit tight. Right now he's getting a little bit nervous. One of the things we talked about with Bart Scott, who I'm going to say, Bart, you messed us up. We were going down a great thing and messed yeah. it up, was the conversation of athletes having sex before playing a football game. Right. And, or sporting events in general. Right. And in a New York Times article, it talked about Muhammad Ali not having sex right. six months before a fight. Right. Ernest Hemingway didn't want to have sex while doing a big project because it sapped his energy. Wow. Joe Namath talked about, oh, he had it all the time. Right. Uh, it came out Bill Walsh would have green light and red light games. Green light you could have because it wasn't a tough of an opponent. <laughs> right. Red light, like the Giants, you couldn't have. Right. And we asked you, and I actually thought you had good insight, so I'm, I'm curious, from the fans' perspective, and we're literally just watching Josh right now to see how awkward he gets, um, did you have sex before games, and, and did it 
help your energy? Did it hurt your energy? Was it even a factor? No, this is definitely a factor, and most athletes I've ever talked to, as far as their discussion, it, it was part of my preparation. I, I really... I really judged it as much as like, oh, I did some squats on a Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have sex on a Saturday before the game. I was one that liked to have sex before, the, before like the day before and a game. And you actually felt it. I felt like I was more relaxed. Yes, I wasn't quite. I, I'm kind of high strung as it is and full of energy and, and, and anxious. Uh, so, yes, to me, it helped me relax a little bit, and I didn't feel quite as uptight I on didn't a su- ask this follow-up class last time, but right. I just realized it. So, football players and athletes in general. Creatures you, of habits. I haven't used my curse today, which is incredible. Right. Athletes are f***ing weird. Right. Okay? Yes. You guys plan out everything. I'm like, let's get creative for lunch. And you're like, I'd like my chicken breast with whatever. Yes. When it's a schedule, is there still romance? At, Josh, are we okay over here? Go ahead. Okay. Good. Is there still romance when it's like your wife is kind of like, oh, great, he, this is part of his ritual? Well, no, yeah, yeah, there was romance. I mean, I th- my wife, I think, likes here. having sex with me, so I don't think it was like a chore for her. So, okay. Uh, okay. I, uh, yeah, so I do think there was romance. Now, there was a lot of other guys that I played with that would be like, you know, after Wednesday of the game week, I'm not going to have sex Thursday, and Friday, Saturday. Would you guys Saturday. talk about in the locker room? Yeah, every night. Na- certain guys, you would hear it just come up occasionally uh, but then yes there was the other guys that felt like they had to have it on a thir- on a Saturday to relax uh, I always think it's funny because uh, I've always heard the Brazil soccer team they're ones that believe to have they want to have sex the night before the game because they feel relaxed and they can just go play wow uh, but yes it's certainly a part of the like you said they're regimented and athletes any athlete you have your schedule you want to stick yeah. on uh, was there anyone that was famous for having like weird stuff about not not weird not right. weird stuff yeah but like they were like they were like really stringent or like they would talk about it uh, careful before you out anybody yeah no, no I'm not I, I'm not outing anybody and I don't think anybody I can like sit here and just it doesn't anything come to my head where I'm just okay. like oh okay no there was not one particular God, there's athlete so many roads we can go down yeah there is it, it's a crazy subject but I do think it's very interesting because I do think it goes into the psyche and the way you feel I felt it in my legs if that makes any sense I know that's crazy my mind and my legs right I felt like I was a little Yes. What I was it like what before it the playoff game you played in? Uh, man, I, I, I played pretty good. I mean, the, my final stats, I think, are only one yeah, touchdown, yeah, yeah. two but, interceptions. But, uh, you know. uh, but it wasn't, though. No, it wasn't like I was like, oh, I need to have an extra because it's a playoff gotcha. game or anything like that. It didn't go crazy. Watch no. out on the hand motions. Again, okay. Again, it was part of, it was part of uh, again, just your routine and certainly something I thought about. Yeah. Can, I, can I get a control room shot for just a second? I just want to see Cam's reaction. Uh, Cam, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up, Fendrick leaves it in, thumbs down, he cuts it. He ah. thinks Fendrick cuts it. All right, let's, let's come back out here. Um, Fendrick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot. Is, is that going to make the podcast? I think it's going to. It doesn't even matter for me at you this point. You DeMarco Murray, Josh Fendrick. <laughs> Next week, Sims, we're going to have the conversation you and I had in the bathroom about pukers in the locker room. Yeah, I would I love that. that. I actually almost went the there. Pukers in the locker room. Don't yes. say it. Okay. Coming up on yeah. episode 43, yeah. I enjoyed 42. It was fun. <laughs> Nelson, get this the is shoots. neat. Say goodbye. Oh, I did. Oh, I did. Peace out, homies. Uh, Fendrick, give him a uh, very cautious goodbye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> God, he Forever. is just, he is just, he is great. <laughs> He's already stressing. Let's see those stinky Gabe fingers. Oh, uh, ew, man. And goodbye to the control room. Let's say goodbye to them. Oh, ladies, and that random Gosh, hand in so the back. it's so dark in there today. Yeah, it is dark sure. today. All right. Well, I had a blast as always. Uh, subscribe uh, on iTunes, of course. Hit us up on Twitter. Let's take some Twitter questions next week. And I think we're yeah. at that point of the year. So it's at Sims and Lefko. Uh, Sims and Lefko. We're going to talk about pukers in the locker room. And we're getting down to that crazy part of the year where the playoffs are going to start figuring out if you want to talk football and you don't want to deal with bullshit, come to the Sims and Lefko podcast because we're the only people every single week talking about the stuff that matters. Thanks again. See you next week. <laughs>